All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you all here with us this morning. Again, thank you for joining us at Bridge Church this morning. Uh, we are a place where we believe everyone was created on purpose and for a purpose, and because of that, everyone matters to God. And, and we just want to live that out in our daily lives, because I truly believe life is just better on mission with Jesus. And as we get into our message this morning, again, it's the second week in a message on out of First Peter. So if you want to go to First Peter, that's where we're going to head again today. I want to welcome all those listening on Facebook Live, joining us this morning as well. Well, today, as I've been as I've been praying over this week's message, I really believe it has it's going to spark something in someone. It's going to spark a new life in someone, and in in our family this morning. And as we as we start looking at again, and we're going to go through First Peter again. How many, if I were to ask you today? How many of you would be overwhelmed with anticipation if you knew you were called for something? How many of you would get excited if you just knew you were called? We're going to go into Scripture today. And in 1 Peter, you're going to see Peter uses a lot of the same terminology as he goes through 1 Peter when he writes it. And you'll see him say a lot of different times, you're called, you have a calling, you've been assigned something. Peter's giving these Christians, remember, when we were talking about these Christians, they were persecuted Christians. How many of you guys getting staked and burnt lately or seen many Christians that happening to us? Yeah, we don't get that. So we get kind of, you know, comfortable in our Christianity. And if we're persecuted, we think it's the devil attacking us. Persecution comes when you're doing the right thing. I love the meme about Jesus going to the cross. They don't crucify a good guy. They crucify someone who came to change the world. Think about that for a moment. If you're not running into some walls once in a while, you may not be working for Christ. Just saying. And that's what God was talking to me about this week. You know, if you're not meeting some resistance, are you really trying to change the world for me? Now, I'm not talking any resistance because some of it is just man-made, self-made. But if we're really moving forward for Jesus and trying to change things and we're proclaiming his truth, how does his truth of the Bible line up with culture? It doesn't. The love part does, and everybody loves that part of it. We don't like the correction part too much. And that's all of us. But that's part of the scripture. And so as, as, as Paul is writing to, or Peter, sorry, not Paul, Peter is writing to these, these Christians who are getting persecuted, who are getting killed, who are getting, like I said, they're getting burned at the stake. He's writing them to encourage them. And today, I want to show you that you are called to be different. You're not called to fit in. We talked about that last week, didn't we? How that's probably the biggest hindrance to Christianity today is we all want to fit in. We all want to be liked. God never called us to fit in. He called us for a purpose. And there's a few different types of callings that I want to talk about this morning. And we'll get, in fact, let's just, I'm going to pull up my Bible app real quick and we're going to read 1 Peter. We're going to start in in chapter 2. And I want to read verses 1 through 11. And so Peter just got through, remember in chapter 1, he just got through at the end of that one, talking about how, we're, you know, people are like grass, their beauty is flower to field, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And that word is the good news that was preached. And what's the good news? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the hope he has for the world. And so, again, when they wrote the Bible for us to read, there weren't these chapter breaks and verse breaks and everything else in it. It was just a flow. Everything flowed together. And if you go into chapter 2, he starts off with, so if we're supposed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, he says, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him, but those who reject him, the stone the builder has rejected, has now become the chief cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from all worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So those verses, as, as Peter starting to encourage these guys, he says, first things first, the first type of calling on your life is the eternal call of Christ. Salvation is the first call that God gives you. Okay? But it's, it's, not, it's not your assignment yet. How many of you guys ever, and I, I thought about this this morning driving up here, how many of you guys ever were called to do something like in school or at a job? You got to wear this little, you know, again, for me, when I was in the military, in boot camp, you know, you clean a lot. <laughs> well, I did too good a job cleaning one day, and I got made master at arms. And what that means is now I'm in charge of cleaning all the barracks. I'm in charge of our unit to clean the barracks. So they give me this little pin, which is really cool in boot camp, because when other recruits see that, they see you're a master at arms, and it makes you special. I was called. So I walked around with that. I was psyched about it. Now, I learned I shouldn't have done such a great job cleaning because I didn't want that job after about a week. Why? Because what happens when you're called to lead something? When the team messes up, who they yell at? Me. So I would be the one that would get cycled for an hour, which basically what that means is for an hour they would make me do calisthenics because the team didn't do their job. And why? Because I didn't watch the team and teach them what they needed to do. So I was called to lead. I didn't want that call. I wanted to be anonymous in boot camp. I didn't want anybody to know I was there. 
But my DI saw me one day, and like I said, I just did too good a job, apparently. God has called you to something greater. When we get that little pin, I walked around with pride. I have a pin called Jesus Christ that has washed over your life. Do you walk around with that pride of His name on your life? Or do you walk around worried about what other people are going to think? I love how he says it again in the second chapter. You're foreigners. This is only your temporary residence. Don't live for today. Live for the eternal. God's ultimate desire, His eternal call to Christ, in fact, the Holy Spirit working today all over the world is about winning and wooing people back to Him. Because what, what does His Word say? God wishes that none would perish. So that guy you think that's unsavable, that person you ran into who cut you off in traffic, and you all have done it where you yelled at that person. Because why? Because he interfered with your life. It's really just a pride thing. I catch myself doing it all the time, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I'm sorry. Because if somebody's in front of me, do I know what's going on in their life? But I make a snap judgment that they did this to me, and they're slowing me down from getting to where I want to go, so how dare they bother my schedule? That's pride. God wishes that none should perish, and am I representing Christ when I'm letting that take over my life? And so we have to be very careful how we represent our lives to people. When Peter writes about calling, he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus. Remember the story back in Luke when Peter got called. Peter was out fishing. He wasn't catching any fish. This rabbi comes up and says, hey, toss your net on the other side. I'm willing to bet if you were Peter, you would have all thought this same thing. You're a teacher. I'm a fisherman. I think I got this. You go teach. I'll take care of the fishing. Y'all would have thought that. But what does he do? He doesn't anyways. And catches a bunch of fish. Peter got the call of Jesus. Jesus has given each and every one of you a specific call like that, which is why you're here today. You're not here by accident this morning. God has put a call on your life and you chose to throw that net. Now, you may still be hanging on to that net and not letting it go all the way in to catch all the fish. But you started. And understand, that's all any of us can ask. Peter talks about at the beginning of that chapter, crave pure spiritual milk like newborn babes. When we first come to Christ, it's that thought process of newborn babes. When God called you, He didn't expect you to be a run out and all of a sudden evangelize the world. He called you for you to have a relationship with you that will change the world because he works through you. Jesus called Peter out of where he was to become a follower. Jesus has called each and every one of you out of where you were doing to become a follower of his. The second type of call after the eternal call to follow Christ, is a temporary call to an assignment. Y'all have jobs. 
That's a temporary assignment. How are you representing Christ in your assignment? Daily, do, do people see the call of Christ, the life of Christ, at your jobs, as your parents, as your friends, as you go to school? Do your friends, do your relatives, do they see something different about your life? You've been given an assignment, and that's to be a follower of Christ. Do people that are coming around you see that? You might be called on a missions trip one day. Don't turn it down. You might be called just to work a job. And I say that because that's how all of you guys think it. Because I think if we all grew up in the church, what it meant to follow God means I had to become a pastor, I had to lead some ministry, or I had to be a missionary or an evangelism. Because that's really what, what the thought process was and what we were pushed towards. Well, I'm sorry, I had no desire as a child to do any of that stuff. Now, God placed a call on my life when I came back. And I wish I was smart enough to listen to my child self of what I probably should have been doing all along. Because I have friends who knew me back then. Says, I, could have, I, I could have told you to have done this back in, high, in elementary school because of how you cared for people. Now, I've talked about how I used to get in all kinds of fights before. But what I've never told you is how bad I felt afterwards. A majority of the time, I ended up taking care of the person that I just got in a fight with. Why? Because I felt horrible about it. Why did it start? I have no idea. But God had placed a call on my life back then that I ran from because I thought it meant something that I didn't want to do. And I wasn't sure how I was supposed to do it. And if I did it, was it going to change everything about me? And I think that's part of the problem with becoming a follower of Jesus when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself daily. You have to pick up your cross and follow me. Don't worry about what other people say. Worry about where you, who you're following. Are you following the crowd? Or are you following Jesus? Jesus put a call and says, you, you're supposed to be different. When you follow me, it's a different life. And Jesus said, guess what? There is still no better life. Why? Because Paul talks about all the suffering that happens today does not even come close to compare to the eternal glory that we have in Christ. We're excited to get to heaven. And as I get older, I'm wishing Jesus would come back sooner. But if you're a teenager, you're hoping not yet. I've got so much left to do. As we get older, it's like, oh, come on, Jesus. <laughs> but he, he's placed that temporary assignment on your life. And what I want... What, what I really want to focus on today, though, is not the eternal call or the temporary assignment. Is that... Jesus has called us daily to live a different standard. How do we live? Our, our God is calling you daily to live differently. He's calling you to think differently. He's calling you to do things differently. But here's the thing I want you to understand about today. is Again, it's not about being a missionary. It's not about being an evangelist. It's not about ministry at all. Because God cares more about the who than he does the do. And I've said it before. God cares more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. Because when we start following Jesus, who we're becoming, the do will naturally flow from that. When I first got saved, I probably shouldn't have got a mic and ever given a message. 
Why? Because I was that newborn babe that had a lot of things. One of my favorite sayings lately, a half a bubble off. Okay, what I mean by that, if you've ever looked at a level, and if you're a half a bubble off, by the time you hit 10 feet, you're about two feet off. That's about where my Christianity, and we all are as newborn babes. I'm not saying what I was doing was wrong. I'm saying what, I was just so excited about Jesus, I would spew the wrong stuff just so people got it. Today, I hope I'm a little bit better at it, and I'm growing. But the key to that statement is, is when you know who you are, you'll know what to do in any situation. My prayer, I'm just going to let you in on this. My prayer at the end of this message today and through today is that if you want to know who you are in Christ, and I give you an idea of what the Bible says, who you are in Christ, you're going to run into somebody today that's going to delay your life because they're going to need, there's a need that's going to be met, need to be met. Because what did Jesus always do? He met their need, and then he introduced them to the kingdom. There are needs out there. You know, as I was studying, studying for this message and, and reading different things on it, how many of you guys have ever been in a grocery store standing behind somebody and they just didn't have enough money to buy their groceries? How many of you guys jumped up and said, I'll take care of that for them? There was a need. You had a chance to meet a calling and an assignment from God that said, I can show you what Jesus looks like. How many of you guys, when you were in school or are in school today, see a kid get bullied and step up to the plate and say, that's not right, and you, you friend this person? God gave you eyes to see. You had a need to fill. Did you fill it? Jobs are the same way. You see somebody who's not having a good day. You hear a story. Do you take the 10 seconds out of your busy life to talk to this person and to try to reach them with just love? Are we representing Jesus to a lost world? When I see a need, am I filling it or am I turning, my, am I turning a blind eye to it? God called us to live differently. In fact, and we're going to talk about it in a minute again, if you go through down at the verse 11, he starts talking about that. Even when those people start to, to, start to persecute you, your honorable lives will show them God. So as you're living and you stand for what you believe and you live that out daily in your life, and somebody comes against you and starts spreading a rumor about you, do you get defensive or do you live honorably and show them Christ? You know, one verse, and I think we all like to use it if we're Christians, is, you know, somebody persecutes you, pray for them. It's like heap burning or throwing heaping burning coals on their head. You know, where I was like, okay, vengeance. Yes, God says I can pray for them and heap burning coals on their head. Not really what, not really what was meant in that. But what does it do is that that fire represents to me it represents the Holy Spirit. So when I'm praying for somebody who's making me feel bad, who's persecuting me, who's making fun of me if I'm in school, if I pray for that person who's doing that, it's not the vengeance fire, it's the fire of the Holy Spirit just showing them who God is. And that's something extra. Because that was just kind of put into my head. It's not burning them and punishing them. It's saving them because they're seeing Jesus. 
That's what we want. We want to live such lives that people see Jesus in everything we do. So at the end of the day, and I think we've all done this question, we've asked ourselves this question, who am I? Well, this morning I'm asking you that same question, who are you? In verse 9 of what we just read, I hope you didn't miss it. I hope you were hearing what God was saying to you, what God was saying about you. What did God say in verse 9? He says, for you are a chosen people. Do you know today you're chosen? God chose you. The creator of all the universe chose you. He goes on to say, you're God's very own possession. You're a holy nation. Who are you? You are God's royal priests. We don't have to try to figure out and define who we are. God has already done that. We just got to believe him. We just got to believe that God chose us. He chose us to be in his family. And if you think back to those first century Christians, they had tremendous respect for the priesthood. And so when Peter told them they were holy priests, they lived differently. How many of you guys live as if you're a son or daughter of a king? They live differently. They carry themselves differently. They walk a little straighter because they're sure who their father is. Their father's the king. Do we live the chosen royal priesthood nation, father of the universe life in front of people? Are we afraid of what they might think? Do you live called? Since they belonged, those first century Christians, since they knew they belonged to God, that they were under his care, that they were under his goodness, that's all that mattered to them. They got persecuted. They got burned at the stake. They got crucified. They got their heads cut off. They got boiled in oil. But they didn't care because they, they knew their father. They knew they were called. They knew what was beyond that was so much better than what could happen today. They looked to heaven and saw heaven represented in their daily lives. So when somebody starts to make fun of you because you're standing up for Jesus, instead of worrying about what they think, proclaim over your life, nah, he called me. Nah, I'm his. I'm chosen. I'm more than a conqueror. It's why we talk about getting into the word, because when the word gets into you, when people say things, it doesn't matter. Peter said some things here that are just as true today as they were when he wrote them, and I think we take that for granted once in a while. We understand he was writing to first century Christians who were being persecuted. But make no mistake about it. Those first century Christians were dying for this very same thing we're sitting here for today. And that was to real, reveal Jesus to those who didn't have him. They did it at the cost of their lives. 
God's asking us today to do it at the cost of a little bit of our comfort. Because we ain't getting killed for this. Now, there are people around the world getting killed for being Christians. It's not happening here. What do we do when we see it around the world? We send some money to it. But it doesn't really affect us. But it's just as urgent here as it was then. There are still people who are going to hell if we don't share Jesus. There are still people who don't understand that this isn't their home. They were created for more. They were created for so much more than what they think they say or they believe. God says in his words, you have not because you ask not. Then he goes on to say, and when you do ask, you ask for the wrong reasons. When, when, I, when we pray for this church, when we pray for things, it's not for us. It's for Jesus to be revealed, and that's it. If you were to come in and join us at our Sunday morning prayer, we are praying for God to show up and do what only he can do because God changes things. I truly believe that. I don't change anything. I can write the best message in the world, the most inspiring message in the world, and by noon, most of you would have forgot it. But when God says something and he touches you, it changes you. You're called by God to be different. You're called to not fit in. And again, in these verses, you'll know and you'll see that P Peter goes on to say, he says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. He's urging them, saying, I understand you're going through some stuff. I, under I get it. But don't live like you're living for this world. Live like you're living for the eternal. Don't live by persecution. Live by Christ. Don't worry about, and Jesus said this, don't worry about what man can do to you. Worry about what the Father can do. And Jesus said that right before he went to the cross. He said, I'm not worried about what man can do to me. They can put me on a cross. But worry about what your Father, who's the eternal judge, can do. Who holds life and death in his hands. Now, I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm saying that because we have to get back to the fact that if we don't get desperate to see God move, he can't. God has called us to partner with him. Now, he could come and do anything. Jesus talked about he could have called down legions of angels to save him from going to the cross. So God can do whatever he wants, but he's called you to do it. He's called me to do it. He's called us as a body to do it. Because Peter is saying... Just keep going. You may not see the benefits yet, but they're coming. You may not see what the Father's doing, but He's doing something. And normally it's in us. Because when He changes us, He changes the atmosphere. And when He changes the atmosphere, people around us get changed. So we live with the calling of Christ on our lives. We're going to show people what we believe by how we behave. We're going to show people we're going to live honorably. We're not going to do those little white lies. I'm not going to go to work and say, well, they owe me this pen. I'm going to take it in my pocket and sit it, take it home with me because it's still stealing unless they told you you could take a pen. I know people who take reams of paper home. That's not living honorably. That's stealing. Well, did God really say I couldn't use this? Yeah, when they told you he could, you couldn't use it. Do you live above board? Do you live so honorable that when somebody tries to create a rumor about you, 
it is shut down in a second. How many of you believe as a pastor I might take some criticism? <laughs> I know some of you guys have done it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm playing. Um, could I get defensive? Could I try to explain why I do what I do? This is what God worked with me on, and, I, and somebody needs to hear this for yourself this morning at your job. I could get defensive. I could try to explain it. I could try to show you all the numbers of why I do what I do, and I could, I could basically dismiss what you're trying to tell me, or I could live honorably, I could pray, and I could show Jesus. Because are we ever going to win somebody to Christ through arguments? No. But when they see you live honorably, why I, I, I stand for what I believe, why there's certain things I won't do, and it has nothing to do with right or wrong, it has to do with convictions of, of what I believe God's talked to me about, people will see your life and they will glorify God. That's what the Bible says. I want people to see our lives as a body and glorify God. Not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. There will be times when you do good and you will suffer. Just saying. There will be times you do the right thing and somebody, as a, if you're a student, somebody's going to make fun of you. There will be times you go to work and you don't take part of those coarse jokings about spouses and people will look differently at you. There will be times you'll do the right thing and people will disrespect you. Jesus, and this is how Peter says it, Jesus, the one who never sinned, he never deceived anyone, he didn't retaliate when he was insulted, he, no, he neither threatened revenge when he suffered, he left his case in the hands of God, and God judges fairly. He personally carried our sins to the cross that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. That's who we serve, that's the Savior, that's our Lord. He's the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. This is Jesus, the one who never sinned, but he never retaliated. It said he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, saying nothing. Instantly, we want to defend ourselves. The one person in history who had every right to defend himself, chose to die for us and not retaliate. Because Jesus' greatest victory and your greatest victory is that empty tomb. They tried to kill him. They could. They may try to kill you emotionally, maybe not physically, Spiritually, they may try to kill you. Mentally, they may try to kill you. But you have an empty tomb and a Savior who went there because he loves you. So don't worry about defending yourself. Live honorably. Live called as chosen people by God. You are chosen by God. I'm going to wrap it up here. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. 
you are people belonging to God. Therefore, you are on call to love someone when there's a need. You're on call to give when you see a need. You're on call to show love to someone who feels lonely. And at the end of the day, we're on 24-7 call for Jesus to represent him to a lost world.